Unlocking What Was Cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Mike, I'm not even going to pretend like you're on the other line because I already know you're all the way over in Japan having a great time checking out Pokemon and Saki bars and just having a good time there with friend of the show, Dan and Braden. Ladies and gentlemen, if you remember last week, Mike and I did say that Mike would be overseas and unable to record episode 25, so I was going to go rogue and uh, record with friend of the show, Josh, from the Still Loading podcast. Mike will be back next week. Our plan is to cover uh, basically his trip, what he saw. We're probably going to talk about some Japanese video games that maybe he picked up or that he got to play, so that's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're one of the uh, the Mike fans and you only come in over here to hear his voice, you know, one of the Mike stands, uh, you can come on back next week on episode 26. It's just going to be me talking to myself and Josh, of course, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun. We're talking about Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds a little bit later, a PC real-time strategy game that I played a whole bunch back in the day. But uh, yeah, it's really cool that Mike's, you know, going around. He's being a tourist. I was a little bit of a tourist too this last week, but uh, didn't go quite as far as he did. I stayed in Toronto and I don't know if, you know, listeners out there have all been to Toronto, but we're the city in Canada with the the giant tower. It's like 1,500 feet tall or something like that. And uh, me and my fiance, we... uh, we went to the restaurant a few weeks ago and sat up there about 1,200 feet above ground, I suppose. And just want to say, it's really fun to be a tourist in your own city. It was really interesting. You know, we got to uh, go up the elevator and see all these families who were taking photos and clearly not from here, speaking different languages. And, and it was just really neat to be uh, on top of the city, looking out on all these places that we knew. But for them, it was a whole new experience. And you could see the Rogers Center. There was a Jays game being played. And we could see the GO train and the, the 401 which is basically just a gridlocked highway for the entire time that we were there, but a really good time. And I I haven't done something like that probably since the pandemic, honestly. I did do Medieval Times earlier this year, which was uh, which was pretty cool. So I guess that's kind of like being a tourist in my in my own city. Uh, it'd be really interesting to do one of those uh, like double-decker red sightseeing bus tours through the city. But right now, Toronto is such a hellhole when it comes to uh, construction that I can't imagine those rides are all that fun right now. So I'm probably going to hold off and do that maybe in the next 25 years when the city actually is perhaps finished. But even then, I think we're probably still going to be seeing some construction on subway lines and everything else. So it was a really fun experience to go up the CN Tower with my fiance, have a nice dinner. Felt super fancy, by the way. I'm really just used to going to restaurants like, you know, the Jack Astors and the Kelsey's and whatnot. That's really more my speed. Big fan of the burger and fries. They did not have that at the CN Tower. Would love to have a burger and fries above the city. I think that would be a ton of fun. But that's enough rambling about tourism in Toronto and tourism in Japan. I think it's about time that we jumped into today's episode. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 25 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast, the show about all things retro that we love from our childhood. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one podcast on the internet, hosted by people named Neil and sometimes Mike. You can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. Supporters at the $5 level get to submit and vote on our monthly Patreon elected episode. Last week, we talked about Blink-182's 1999 album, Enema of the State. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, Mike is away again, as I said, gallivanting around Japan with our friends Dan and Brayden. Hope they're having a great time catching Pokemon with Pokemon Go Fest and uh, checking out some Japanese baseball games. 
Really excited to see some photos and find out what they've been up to next week. Mike will be back next week, I think. If not, I'll have to figure out something else to talk about with another guest of the show. But for this week, it's a very special Star Wars episode. I know, I know. It's not May the 4th, which is when we normally do our Star Wars episodes. But uh, I was a huge fan of Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds back in the day on PC. And Mike played the game, but is not quite as passionate about it as I am. So he was okay me taking the lead on this episode with Josh from the Still Loading Podcast while he's away. Mike's probably going to enjoy listening to this episode like you are later. Get to get him hooked on this game. Maybe we'll have to get him in uh, on episode or a part two of this episode. But uh, Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds was released on June 6, 2002, developed by LucasArts and Ensemble Studios, published by LucasArts and Aspire. It's on PC, rates an 8 out of 10 Price today, usually it's between 5 and $10 on Steam, and this is a real-time strategy game. And I'm very excited to welcome Josh from the Still Loading Podcast to the show, so I no longer have to talk to myself, which I'm very much looking forward to. So, Josh, welcome to the show. And Josh, I gotta ask you, what was your favorite team to play as on Star Wars Galactic Battleground back in the day? Oh my goodness, Neil, so many options. There's so many choices in Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds, and that's why I love the game so much. I would probably go with, or it's one of the reasons I love it, I would probably go with either the Republic or the Rebels. I always, because I, you know, I would normally choose the Empire just because I kind of like the the actual, like, visual design of it. But, like, the Republic were like, well, this is, these were, they were good at this point. You know, they weren't complete assholes Mm. yet. Uh, (laughs) You know the the empire is just full on uh full on fascism, and you know the mm. with uh, the republic, it's still boiling underneath the surface. So you know I I don't feel as bad playing as them, but no. then also you have to play as the good guys. Of course, now the republic is Palpatine. No, Palpatine loved democracy, so they were fine. You're okay playing <laughs> yes. as the republic, definitely okay. <laughs> Didn't end poorly in the slightest. <laughs> I think it went perfectly well. <laughs> the Repu- or the Galactic Empire are also really fun to play as because like who doesn't love building adats? Or ATATs, yeah. depending on how you say it. Stormtroopers, TIE fighters. They have the coolest army when you're building. It's got an iconic look to it. Mm-hmm. All the all the units look really fun. Uh, I really, I, I think it's more just the visual look. I, I will say, because um, one of the cool things about Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds is that it was a game built off the Age of Empires engine and also developed by the same studio that made Age of Empires. Mm-hmm. Uh and which it makes sense like it, it, we'll get into a little bit more of the the details in a moment but uh what i love about this is that unlike age of empires there's a lot more like it's very easy to distinguish each faction from the other like i feel like when i play age of empires unless you know you become an expert i feel like there's not a whole lot of visual distinction between most of the factions that you can play as there is a couple of course uh but by and large like i couldn't tell you the difference between like if i was playing the britons versus like Mm -hmm. the franks or something like that i i I, I, i'm not a history buff i'm sure there's (laughs) lots of stuff and some history major is screaming into their earbuds right now like (laughs) are you stupid how did you not know this but I, I don't. I, I it With Star Wars, maybe it's because the fandom is built in, mm-hmm. but it, it's so much more visually distinct between all the different factions. And so I had to choose, of course, in terms of aesthetics, the ones I enjoy the most. Though, uh, obviously, there's uh, 
I, I like playing the Empire, but it's one of those ones that's like I don't want to admit that I like playing the Empire. <laughs> I always love playing the Empire. I had no, no I had no shame in that. I love building. I love raising Sith lords, and I love making an army of stormtroopers like the movies. I even like to make the teams that I was playing against be the rebels and maybe the Wookies as well to make it like movie. Mm-hmm. It's I'm playing a movie accurate RTS here, and I totally love what you said about the comparison to Age of Empires. I think specifically this game uses the Age of Empires two engine, uh, the, mm-hmm. the Genie engine. Uh, which it I, does, I yep. yeah, which I played like basically at the same time. I think my parents might have got me Galactic Battleground, or me and my brother at the same time. We got Galactic Battlegrounds, and then I think I got Age of Empires like ten months later for my birthday. So we were playing those two games basically simultaneously, and you could notice that they were the same. Uh, but I totally agree with what you say. How with Star Wars, there was such a an identifiable difference between the teams. Like when you're playing Age of Empires, it's, you know, man on horse versus man on horse versus trebuchet versus archer. And they all look very similar. But with Star Wars, like you can definitely tell what teams were. They have Gungans, they have Wookiees, they have the Naboo, they have the Rebels, they have the Empire. And then if you have the expansion, uh, they have the, uh, what they call them now, there's the uh, Republic and then there's the um, yep. Confederation. Uh, from basically Star Wars up until episode two, I think it goes up to. Uh, but you can tell the difference between them. And even when you go and switch out, you want to play as a different team. Like, you know, maybe today I'm going to play uh, as the Wookiees and see how that goes. You automatically know which uh, which buildings are uh, a shelter, which buildings are um, like a turret, or which building is the carbon center. Like, you can automatically tell what each building is. They did such a great job of making different architecture and uh, and, and uh, unit design for each team and still making it accessible. Like, there was basically no learning curve. If you wanted to swap out and play as Gungans today, it was easy to do. And then if you wanted to jump out quickly and play as the Trade Federation, you could do that. And you didn't have to relearn the game every single time. It just, it just worked so beautifully well, which I feel like Age of Empires... Not quite as good. I am a big Age of Empires 2 fan. No no shade against mm-hmm. that game. Love Especially it. Especially the remake. The remaster of it is amazing. I haven't played that. I've only played the original one from the, I guess, the late 90s that game came out. It's mm-hmm. something around we, there. Yeah. It's getting getting up there. Man. Old enough to drink, basically, at this point, which is crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're both fantastic real-time strategy games. But uh, yeah, it's hard not to compare the two for sure. But I needed to ask you, though, Josh, before we get too far into the weeds in uh, Galactic Battlegrounds, have we had you on any of our Star Wars episodes yet? I don't know. What kind of like a Star Wars fan are you? Do you I like the original trilogy? I don't think trilogy? I've been on one, no. Yeah. So are you like an original trilogy fan? Do you like the prequels? Do you like everything? I guess take us back. What's your uh, Star Wars story? I would say if I'm a lapsed Star Wars fan, uh, very much in the same line of like a lapsed Catholic, uh, (laughs) (laughs) where it was like my everything for a long portion of time. And then I just kind of fell off from it. Um, I my when I first discovered Star Wars, my parents showed me the originals, uh, the original movies, you know, episodes four through six, Mm -hmm. loved them to pieces, watched them to death. Uh, My favorite was and has always been Return of the Jedi. And I know people always, you know, will gush about, you know, Empire Empire. Strikes Back. Now, I haven't rewatched them in a a couple of years. So maybe if I go through it with a critical eye, I'll change my opinion. But I genuinely feel like people just like uh, Empire because they like that it's sad. (laughs) <laughs> they just it's like it's it's sadder than the others therefore it's artistically better mm. and i'm like i i don't know if i agree with that but 
um, that's more that's that's a more of a hot take. I I, I understand why people like it, it, it mm-hmm. in a, in an actual you know measured take. I understand why people enjoy the like that one more. I I haven't anal- I haven't really sat down to watch them all again in a while. But I remember as a kid, I loved uh, Return of the Jedi just because it was the most action packed. And uh, I understand people give gripe about gripes about the Ewoks. I didn't even think of it as marketing when I was a kid. I just enjoyed it. And I never bought any of the Star Wars toys, so it didn't work on me anyway. <laughs> um, so then I saw the prequels, and I didn't. I don't hate the prequels as much as everyone else does. I Actually, uh, hold on. Actually, let me take that back. I don't hate episode one as much as everyone else does. Okay. I cannot stand episode two, okay. and three is fine. I'm, I think I'm on the same I'm on the same way like there with the... I think Mike is too. I'm, I don't want to speak out of turn. He loves the third one. I know that. I like the third one. Uh, I, I don't like the second one either, and I, I adore the first one. I think it has some boring parts, but I like Qui-Gon Jinn, Darth Maul, pod racing, the music... Uh, I think it's great. I have heavy nostalgia for the first one. I guess it really depends on how old you are as well. Like you can definitely tell when someone was born based on what their Star Wars interests are, which is I find really funny. I was six years old when uh, Phantom Menace came out. I was mm-hmm. born in 93, so I was it was prime 90. age for it. Definitely. And like I was definitely in that camp of, you know, sell these kids lightsabers, get them the pod racing, get them into Darth Maul and all these characters. And I, I was into it. And going back to watch, I think my, my fiance and I, we watched the prequel trilogy maybe a year or two ago and uh, did not still didn't like Clone Wars when it came out. Mike and I have talked a lot about this in the past, but did not like Clone Wars a lot when it came out. It has okay scenes, but for the most part, it's just a CG fest. And it, it, it what didn't look good at the time for me and doesn't look great now. And then episode three is it, it's fine. I, I like the Darth Vader scenes, obviously, and Anakin going to the dark side is cool. I gained a much better appreciation for it, honestly, as time went on and as they started to incorporate the Clone Wars TV show into the prequels. I thought that that filled mm-hmm. in a lot of plot holes and gaps and made the prequels better, honestly. Um, I, I never understood the Return of the Jedi hate, honestly. I feel like that that's been bubbling for the last, God, how old is that movie now? 40 years, basically. Um, mm-hmm. Like, everyone loved it when it first came out. And then, you know, all of a sudden, people started not liking it as much because, you know, it killed Boba Fett in a horrible way. And then the Ewoks, like you said, was the big uh, the big um, negative towards it. And I was a kid when I watched it for the first time, never once wanted Ewok anything. If, that, if this was George nope. Lucas's way of... Uh, marketing the franchise to kids, I was still very much more into the Darth Vader masks and the lightsabers over everything else. The Ewoks did not sell me on the franchise at all. Um, so I have that perspective for sure, but that's awesome. And what about any new Star Wars things? I do Dare I ask, do you like any of the sequel trilogy, the Disney Plus shows? Uh, so real quick, one other thing I want to touch on, and then I'll, I'll, I'll answer your question. Okay. I like I, I think what you're saying about, I, I agree with what you're saying about the prequels. Um, I, I, I've held this opinion for a while and I'm not saying it's based off, it's not an expert opinion. I, I, I hope, I hope people aren't too mad about my, uh, Empire we're losing Strikes listeners by opinion. the second, just with talking oh, about yeah, Star Wars like this. <laughs> um, it, I think George Lucas is a much better world builder and almost, he's not a good storyteller, but he's a good world builder and mm-hmm. he's a little bit of, he's, how can I describe this? He has interesting plot points and plot beats and character development he does not know how to write for any of it no 
And that's really where it comes from. Like, if you really think about how, you know, like, if, even look at, like, episode one, right? You know, really interesting world building with pod racing and everything on Naboo and the Gungans, like, visually fascinating. And the, uh, like, finding Anakin and bring like, I and the Trade Federation. And, like, there's all this, like, awesome world building that's honestly really interesting. But he does not know how to write it. And I, I'm not saying I could do better. I'm an I'm an awful writer, but I just think in general, like that's one of the reasons why the a lot of people consider Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi some of the better at movies. He didn't write he one even though he wrote them, he didn't direct them. He also had his wife to help balance out some of his more chaotic tendencies. Yes, at the time they had since got divorced. By the time these came out, or the or at that point, at the very least, he was uh way too big, and no one would say no to him. Um, and I'm not that painting Lucas mm-hmm. as like some monster thing. Apparently, he's a nice person, but it's just one of those things when you get that big note, people are almost too afraid to say no when maybe right. they should have. Uh, so yeah, that that's kind of how I've always envisioned the first six Star Wars, where it's like George Lucas really crafted a really great world and universe and plot but didn't know how to put the pieces together. Mm-hmm. Um, he needed help with the first three, and that's why they're a lot more beloved than the, than the next three, because by first three, I mean episodes four through six. Yeah. Um, and that's why he needed a lot more help with the next three, uh, but he didn't get any of it because he was so... Like, Star Wars was huge. He, mm-hmm. he didn't need to. Um, as for new entertainment, uh, to get back to your original question, sorry, I just, I had to get that. I, no, that's no, a point I, I've, no, been, I've had in my head for a while, <laughs> um, or an opinion, I should say. It's therapeutic, this, uh, this podcast. <laughs> right. Uh, I didn't know I had these Star Wars demons. In <laughs> How does it make you feel uh, at the end? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I hate sand now too. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> no, um, with the newer stuff, I've seen actually um, the first two of the new one. I never saw Rise of Skywalker. Still have not wow. seen it. Uh, I watched the first two seasons of Mandalorian. Yeah, first two seasons of Mandalorian. And that's honestly it. I hmm. kind of refuse to watch anything else, though I heard Andor is phenomenal. Yep. Um, it's just one of those things. It, it's, the, it's the same thing with... Um, marvel movies yeah i'm just burnt out man i don't care enough like i there to stay when you have such a large interconnected world and interconnected story that you have to watch multiple different shows movies and series in specific orders uh which and all those episodes are minimums to like an hour long minimum an hour long Mm -hmm. and you're basically watching you know a bunch of full board almost full length feature films but they're just shy of that because they're on quote unquote TV, a streaming service. Um, It's just so much. It's way too much for me to keep up with. And uh, as you know, Neil, you're a fellow podcaster. Mm -hmm. Uh, It takes a lot of time to do podcasts. You have to prep all of your stuff all the time. You're always playing games or, and since you guys have switched up your format a bit, you get to listen to music and watch movies, which I I feel like almost helps a little bit to an extent because you can knock out listening to an album in like 40 minutes versus like, 
like a game minimum you need to play two to three hours yeah and then do research and then do all this other stuff Mm -hmm. yeah we can listen we listen to our albums while we're playing a game and then we'll watch a movie like while we're traveling or whatever it is so yeah this format works way better just by playing games it's hard and and all of these streaming services you're right like star wars being on disney plus new basically they put out two new series a year it feels like right now yeah um it's a lot It's, it's a lot to there's so much to consume and you really do have to be selective i totally get it um, I, I would like, I was, I, I would highly recommend checking out Andor and, uh, Obi-Wan or sorry, Kenobi. Mm. Uh, those two shows are the must checkouts. You've already, you've already watched, uh, most of, uh, Mandalorian. So you're already, there's a third season, right? There is. I, I wasn't as big on the third season. I've kind of softened on it the longer time goes on. Honestly, there's some weird episodes in there, which I'm sure you've probably seen some spoilers of in the last couple months. I already forget months. them. So I'm That's not fine. About <laughs> but Kenobi and, and, and Andor are two must watches. Uh, haven't seen anything about Ahsoka yet. So I'll, I'll hold my judgment on that one for now. But I got to say, after watching Mandalorian season three, and then we'll move back to, uh, uh, we'll move back to Galactic Battlegrounds. But after watching Mandalorian season three, I really just was like, man, I would really like to go back to the theaters and see a Star Wars movie again. Like mm-hmm. as much as the sequel trilogy was slowly and but surely <laughs> destroying my soul. Um, <laughs> I, I would, I would like to get away from these 45 minute to an hour segments. Like they are very well produced. They're for the most part, pretty well written. And the acting is sometimes hit and miss for me at least i i would like to see the full production i want to see that star wars crawl and the and the and the big music and the john williams and the new characters and the big lightsaber fights i need that back on screen now i think it's been four years i guess since the rise of skywalker which i didn't hate it as much as everybody else did it was a fun movie it was dumb uh and i'd kind of given up on caring at that point uh of the new five movies that were in theaters i loved rogue one um that movie's up there in, in terms of being in the, in the original trilogy for me. Like I like episode five and then I like Rogue One. I like six and I Rogue like four. Rogue One's fantastic. Rogue One is really, really good. I forgot I saw that one too. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's a good one. I, I have that one on Blu-ray. I watch it from time to time, especially that final war scene at the end, basically. There's no mm-hmm. lightsaber duels in it. It's just, it puts the war in Star Wars, which uh, is awesome. And uh, yeah, like it's it's so weird. The Disney the Disney era of Star Wars has been very hit and miss. So there's just so much content out there. So I'll, I'll do my best to try and recommend you things over the next uh, several years so that you know what to check <laughs> out and what to miss, which is what I do with Mike, actually. So <laughs> won't be too hard. I wish I did like Star Wars more than I because I, I used to love it and I, I like the world of it. It's just that there's just so much to it. And also, I don't know, it just... I, I have so much to play and do now. It's like, like mm-hmm. you said, you have to be selective with what type of media you you, in, you partake in. Mm-hmm. And Star Wars, as much as it, it, it screamed of childhood to me, uh, it was never one of the ones that I, re- I, I think it's one of those ones that I kind of like bounce. Like I, I saw it when I was so young. I saw it in, in, when I was in kindergarten. And then uh, I saw all the prequels as they came out, but, I, I think there was a reason. I think the prequels uh, killed my interest in Star Wars without me realizing it killed my interest in Star wow. Wars, if that makes sense. Yeah, I totally get it. For me, I feel like it, It. I mean, my, my interest in Star Wars was growing with the prequels. And then it was just the long gap, honestly. And I, I don't know what, like nothing, my, I'm still very much a Star Wars fan. So I can't say any one thing killed my interest in Star Wars. But it, I think it was probably episode eight was the one that uh, definitely dampened my interest in Star Wars. That was the one where I kind of went, Huh. 
and like oh, you know, the, the 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 that's the last Ryan Jedi. Johnson one, the last yeah. Jedi. Yeah. yeah, the one with the porgs. That's I love the porgs. They were uh, they were like the only thing I was laughing at. I think in that theater. But I remember I saw it with one of my friends, my good friends Matt, and uh, he had already seen it, and he knew that it was a divisive movie, and he looked at me, and I was just like okay and then we walked out of the theater and that was really the first time i had seen anything star wars related that i wasn't completely hot on right away like i loved episode seven i loved rogue one and i liked all the prequels when i was a kid and in some cases loved them and of course the original trilogy is beloved amongst most star wars fans i think most people can say those films are are very high quality speaking of high quality what is very high quality (laughs) is the star wars pc (laughs) games specifically the star wars galactic battlefront series which is transition thank you the star wars galactic battleground series which is why you are here today joining me talking about a pc game that i don't talk about a lot because i'm not a huge pc gamer basically i only played roller coaster tycoon star wars galactic battleground star wars galactic battlegrounds and uh and uh age of empires i guess not many pc games so i gotta ask you what is your history with this game when did you first play it so I, uh, how did I first discover this? Oh my gosh, I'm trying to remember now. Um, I believe that I played it at, so my friend, I had a, I have a friend named Andy, who I don't think he's ever been on my show before, but he got me into RTS games in, in general, sort of. So the first RTS game I ever saw was StarCraft from my original co-host, Justin. Got hooked on StarCraft, even though I didn't own it. I just loved watching him play, which I, it was just kind of strange because RTSs aren't the most exciting things to watch. Um, but right. I guess that kind of, by me, I enjoyed watching him play enough that I was like, I guess that should have been a hint that I would have fallen in love with the genre. But um even though I'm awful at it. Uh, but then Andy, uh, my friend Andy, introduced me to this. And he introduced me to games like, uh, what is it, War Times? War Times is like an RTS that I've, it's like a World War II era RTS that I completely forgot about for years. And now then I, I thought about it again somewhat recently, and I'm very curious to like, uh, to like try to find it again see if you can still buy it anywhere you know it's not rated very highly from what i can see but i i enjoyed it when i played it, it looks anyway awesome. um apparently you can download war times from my abandonware huh 2004 I, real war times real-time strategy computer game i don't remember this game there's a there's an rts that mike really likes uh god he should have i wish i asked him before coming on what he plays it's a newer one I'll look it up, but um, that's awesome. So StarCraft got you into RTS games, War Times, and then we mentioned yes. Age of Empires earlier, and then this one. Um, yeah, well, so I this this came before War Times yeah. uh, and even Age of Empires. I didn't know what Age of Empires was before mm. this. Then I saw Age of Empires, and then when I um, played this, I'm like, oh, they're exactly the same. And I, <laughs> I was able to re- – I think, though, I, I realized it right away that – I, I didn't think that Galactic Battlegrounds came first because I believe it was even on the like the advertising like using the Age of Empires two engine. I'm like, oh, so Age of Empires two uh, came out beforehand. Right. So I, I already I didn't I didn't uh, confuse which came out first. But when I first discovered this, I was hooked immediately because I it had the things that I liked about the prequels, meaning all the world building, but without the shitty dialogue. <laughs> um, <laughs> It had, you know, because you could play through the campaign, which honestly, the story of the movie is, like I said before, isn't awful. It's just 
kind of written meh mm-hmm. written poorly and so you kind of take out george lucas's writing and you get all the plot points with it and you can play through it and it's got really appealing graphics in my opinion uh the visuals are just it it makes you feel like you're actually controlling like a star wars campaign um one of the other factions I didn't mention on top of that, like I really enjoy playing as, and it kind of gives me this feeling the most, even though they're not my favorite to play, is the Trade Federation. Yes. Just because of the scene in, uh, in the Phantom Menace where you have the big fight at the end of the movie, and you see, you know, the legions of the droids and the droidicas and stuff like that, and like, oh, I can build that. I can build that army. Yep. I can watch them march. It was just, it was something about that, like, really just captured my imagination as a kid. And then I, I believe it was either Andy or my buddy Tristan who introduced me to the game. I, I know I said Andy before. I'm, I'm, it's one or the two, but I played it with both of them. And Tristan specifically, I remember he had, I didn't have my own PC at the time, I had a family computer. Um, he got his own PC way before I ever got mine. And his was this, piece of junk tower that had i think just enough memory on the hard drive to have this game like you couldn't do any like i had before i got my own pc he ended up getting another one and so i took his old piece of junk just so i could have something to play star wars galactic battlegrounds (laughs) and so all this thing could do was just boot up star wars galactic battlegrounds and i'm telling you the tower was easily uh, we were just making a joke about this before, so I apologize, but like five feet tall. <laughs> oh my God, that's crazy. Yeah, like you log on to the computer and it's like you, you got your desktop there. It's Windows 95 and it's just the one icon with Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds because you had to wipe <laughs> everything off the computer <laughs> Pretty in much. order to play it. Yeah, I, I love it. I, I, I popped open the, uh, I have the case, like the old jewel case. I actually have two because I found one at a Goodwill near me several years ago. And I was like, I might as well have a backup. And I also bought it on Steam, obviously, because my computer doesn't even have a disk drive. Um, but it's so funny to go back and look at those disks, man, because it's like you have disk one to install, which, and then you got disk two to play because you had to install the game first and then pop it in. But I, I love the look of the game. Like just looking at the case again, you got Darth Vader's face there, his helmet on the front. You got the stormtroopers there. And honestly, it's so cool that you were introduced to this game by a friend. I, I, we were introduced, me and my brother were introduced to this game. I think just because my parents knew that we, A, had a computer. We just got our computer, I think in around the year 2000. Um, and we love Star Wars. And I don't think that they had any idea what genre of game it was. I don't think that they honestly cared. Um, it, the game sold pretty well for the, for the time. So it was relatively popular. It was on shelves and they bought it for us. And, and we played it nonstop for several months after I think it was for Christmas. And we just had such a great time popping in, popping out, taking turns, playing as different teams, discovering new abilities that you could do with your teams, depending on how, how much you upgrade, like what buildings you build, you can do war research and and you can develop Mm -hmm. your infantry units to like even walk faster like we were laughing at how slow the stormtroopers walk unless you upgrade their their walking speed because otherwise it's like look at how they walk it's like it's like in the movies or something like when they're just standing around on the death star or you can make them you can pick up the speed and you can make them basically look like that they're running for their lives It's, it's awesome i love how much freedom or how much how different each game can be it's it's almost like playing a game of uh army man or a warhammer like a tabletop mm-hmm. game like that, but you don't have to spend an egregious amount of money painting miniatures. <laughs> I What I also really enjoyed about it was uh, there's just such a variety of 
of units you could build. In Age of Empires, you generally only had sea and land, and this one you could have all three, sea, land, and air. Right. And that pr- that proved an interesting uh, challenge because you would have to start accounting for air combat, which you couldn't before. I don't know how well balanced the whole thing is because um, – some of the like I was looking at some of the reviews and the reviews for this are all over the place, dude. Like I'm on I'm on Wikipedia. Have you seen what some of these reviews are? No, I've only seen a couple, and it was man. Honestly, they usually just uh, talk negatively about like the graphics and whatnot. Like really, they I think the graphics look well. nice. I love it. Like I don't know if it's just nostalgia for me, but like that's the only thing that people say. Like oh, you know, playing this game twenty years later, like it's kind of hard to get over the graphics. It's like you can. You can appreciate the graphics in this game. For, uh, I can, at least. I don't think that's a huge issue. But the balance of uh, air, sea, and land is probably an issue. I don't. The thing is, I don't know how well other RTS games do it, like the World War One or World War Two RTS games. But I can yeah. definitely see it being very challenging because you know you build up an, you build up your army to be really good ground units. Like you get really good troops, you get really good uh, tanks, you get good like I forget what they are, but the ones that kind of shoot that blue kind of thing like the trebuchets basically if you're playing Mm -hmm. age of empires and then you just get destroyed because the army that you go fight against is all bombing uh they're all bombers and you can't shoot them because your your army is only good for shooting on the ground so you you have to kind of balance out your army but then you kind of screw yourself because your anti-air troopers can't fight anything on the ground so there it's, it's a whole it's a whole bunch of it's like a million games of rock paper scissors happening at once but what were some of those do you remember what some of those reviews said about the uh the balance yeah i have one up so i'm oh, not about the balance specifically but i was thinking about it because just these reviews are all over the place so like ign gave it an eight out of ten cool. game zone gave it a nine out of ten you know like 70 it seems like like you know 70 percent 75 is a pretty good aggregate i would say in between 75 and 80 percent but randomly Game Informer gave it a 3.75 out of 10. Wow. And I was so surprised by that. I, I, I'm, it's a oh, very yeah. short review. I didn't get a chance to read it, but it's funny. Cause, so the guy who did it, his name's An- the game journalist, Andrew Reiner. He's still, I don't know if he's still with Game Informer, but he was at least up to a, a year or so ago because I heard him on a podcast and I really enjoyed listening to him. And now I'm going to have to re- completely reassess my opinion <laughs> after giving this uh, a three point seven five. The playability, he, he so he go. He, I'm not going to read his full review because uh, also you have to like it's not even on the Game Informer website anymore. You have to right. go to uh, Internet Archive to read this. Mm-hmm. His graphics in for graphics he states even in a microscopic form the miserable animations and effects stick out like a sore thumb. Sound. The score and sound effects are recycled from the four films. I don't see how that's a bad thing. That yeah, would no. have been way too easy to screw up. Uh, playability, the complete a complete mockery of everything Star Wars stands for. What? Like what I don't I don't understand you you want a Star Wars RTS, you got a Star Wars RTS. Like are you looking for something deeper in terms like are you looking for RTS gameplay to somehow capture the essence of the message of Star What message is yeah. Star Wars even trying to tell you? I don't know. 
that's crazy i can't imagine it's almost like he wasn't even playing the same game like did they give game informer like a pre-build or something like an unfinished copy of it because i don't know i can hear what he's i mean i can definitely understand what he's saying about the music and the sound design of this game is phenomenal like to this day powering it up on my like i play it on my laptop here and it's just like jesus like the sound coming out of my laptop was crazy like like all of the different explosions and you can even hear like animals and you've got the 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 score from the the original uh three films plus some of the prequel films are in there as well you've got the sound of lightsabers being swung blasters going off you've got tie fighters flying around like it's an absolute mess but it works so well and it 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 has aged amazingly well um i'm sure that they can do wonders if they tried it again today but that's definitely not a bad part of the game and like he said that was the only redeeming factor but the gameplay is is terrific. Like the the ability to build all your troops, send them into battle, bring them out if they're dying or whatever, send in more. Uh, the resource management is all really easy to understand. Um, progressing through the different, uh, I forget, they, they don't call it eras because that's what they call they it call in text. Uh, text, yeah. In Age of Empires, it's eras. In uh, Star Wars, it's text. And you start off, unless you want to start off le- uh, later, you can start off with tech level one and then you can work your way up to post tech level four. Uh, It's basically there's like five or six levels you can work your way up through. But anyway, it's really easy to understand how to do it. You have to collect 800 carbon, which is like wood, basically, if you played Age of Empires. And you have to have a certain number of buildings and a certain amount of food. And it's so obvious what everything is. Like, you know what the trees are. You know what the nova is and the ore. You know all the animals can be killed and used for food. You know how to easily start a farm. Like, I played this game. It came out in 2002. So I would have been eight or nine years old when I played it. And I got it right away. And I'm an idiot. So... Like, this is not a hard game to understand how to play, and it's infinitely replayable. Like, just before talking to you, I I popped it in and was like, okay, I'll play this for a few minutes, and I logged off, and I played for an hour. Like, this game is <laughs> so addicting. It's, it just drags you in right away. I'm sure that that's just because I'm a huge Star Wars nerd, but there's no way you can play this game for five minutes and not think it's an absolute masterpiece. Well, and real quick, I believe the, the release date, just so you don't get a correction, is 2001. Oh, sorry. Um, though it did get a Mac release in 2002 from in North America. Gotcha. Um, it's funny, though. So after all of that, that that I just read, so like I said, he 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 criticizes the graphics. He criticize. He says it's that he's he's annoyed that the sound is just sound effects and the score from recycled from the movie. Playability is a mockery of everything. Entertainment. If this game doesn't make you cry, nothing will. So it's a pretty negative review, like 3.75. I think I I think my reason that I'm so upset it's 3.75 is that's not you just disliking it. That means the game's broken yeah. uh, and when it's a 3.75. But uh, the, what you, I find the funniest thing out of all of it in the in the bottom line section under the replay section, like how much worth how, uh, is it worth replaying? He put moderate. <laughs> oh my god that's so wrong dude oh my god and this like, guy is still reviews for game informer or i, I recognize I, the name yeah i believe he still does i have no you know if he doesn't like the game i'm Man. not actually mad at him for disliking the game i get it your sure. opinion's valid i i'm not even a, i just find it funny that he like eviscerates the game wow. and then it's a decent thing to replay you know moderate he, he, he makes it sound like it's like the worst game that he's ever played like can't believe this is a star wars licensed property and then he's like would i replay it yeah i'd replay it it's not bad 
Jeez, that that's harsh. <laughs> honestly, I mean, everyone's entitled to their opinion, and a review is just one person's opinion on the game for sure. But if you check out Metacritic, for the most part, this game gets nines, eights, and nines almost across the board, which I think is a right where it should sit. Um, the game never crashes, at least not for me. Sure, there are frame rate dips and everything, and I'm sure that there are some improvements that we can talk about a little bit later that could definitely be made to the game that do exist in the RTS community these days. But for a game from uh, 22 years ago, 2001, uh, I, I think it's an absolute must pick up on Steam. Like in Canada, at least, I think I bought this game for five bucks and I could play this game like Roller Coaster Tycoon. I could play this game only for the rest of my life and be pretty okay. It would be difficult to do a podcast about video games, but I would be happy, mm. <laughs> honestly. Um, so I guess I guess my question to you would be, to anybody who's not an RTS player, what makes this game so good and so much fun to play? I mean, I guess if you're not an RTS player... Uh... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, it's kind of hard to sell a game if you're if you don't if if you don't like RTSs. I I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Um, but if you are curious about it, I think the reason it sticks out to me. How can I put this? It doesn't do anything too new to from Age of Empires. So I guess like if you, it, I, this is kind of weird because as much as I love this game, I can't really say it. Like, I can't really say it does it like reinvents the wheel, you know, it's taking an existing engine and basically taking it wholesale, like stealing it. I mean, it shouldn't say stealing. It's from the same developer. Mm -hmm. Uh, what, where it kind of shines, I would say is that by adding the air element, it makes, it makes a strategy a lot more. You have to, you have to be a lot more intentional with your strategy. Um, and you have to be able to account for lots of different things. Um, you also get like shield generators, which, sorry, that, yes. that's a bit of a tangent. I thought that was cool too. Anyway, that was awesome. um, <laughs> I, I, but I like, I don't know how to sell this to someone who doesn't play RTSs because I actually don't think this is a good first RTS only because there is a lot more that you have to take care of. And granted, if you're playing on the easiest difficulty, maybe it's not the worst thing, but in general, it's a lot harder to determine like, uh, you know, with with three different things you have to worry about land air and sea that can be very daunting mm -hmm. i mean hell even with like land and air where if you don't build like anti-air troopers if you have soldiers getting attacked by air units you're screwed you can't yeah. do anything i had i was playing last night i had a full army of just uh regular troopers and um and like mechs and none of my regular troopers would shoot at the air dudes and i'm like come on like you can aim your gun up and I, I understand some of it just feels a little arbitrary so i don't think this is a great game for future for like anyone who's never played an rts or who's apprehensive about trying out game games in this genre i do think if you're a star wars fan you'll still enjoy it just because it's a simple fun game like it's mm -hmm. it's a it's a fun RTS. Uh, I didn't play a lot of the campaign. Campaign. I played a lot of multiplayer. That's what I usually do with all the RTSs. It's funny, you know. Like I always criticize players of Call of Duty. Like, why don't you play the campaign? You only play the multiplayer. That's what I do with every RTS. I never. Definitely. I barely touch the campaign. It's almost all multiplayer stuff, or just playing against bots because I, I like doing that too. Um, right. If anyone is curious in this. 
uh it it's for like five bucks it's worth picking up it's fun it's fun enough as it is it you get to see all your favorite star wars things you get to you get to control them you get to build a, a, a star wars army i think just as a kid i just think that's a that was such a fun idea like i could build my own clone army right. i can build my own army of rebel soldiers i can build my own army of gungans like the gungans i freaking love how they look visually you know with like every building they have they it almost looks like they turn the area around it into a swamp so that way it can grow out of it their their soldiers literally have like basically not slingshots but almost like uh the energy balls from episode one yeah they throw yeah and they they have them in like these like weird throw i don't know how to describe it but it's like a you know how like you have those ball throws for your dog yeah, I was thinking like about the um, like as a kid, like the wiffle ball kind of. I don't know if you had those. Yeah, or you, like like that. But the chuck it balls is what you're thinking of. That that a lot like that. Yeah, because they have like a scoop shape yeah, to it. Exactly. Yeah, it's like they're scooping up and then you, they yeah. throw them. In. Like it's really cool. And then they have so like everything's so visually interesting and distinct. I think it mm-hmm. u- utilizes the Star Wars license really well. I just think that it's a little bit much for people to get into. Plus, now in a modern context, like. It still runs on modern PCs. You can buy it on Steam, but the resolution—it's—it's it's not a port. It's, it's a—it's sorry. It's a straight-up port, not right. like a remaster. So when you are playing it, you, I think the max resolution is like 1024, uh, which is fine. But like that's also by width. I think it's like—I don't think it's an HD period. So no. when you're playing it on your screen, everything's stretched and doesn't look quite as nice. It looks how I remember it, which is like, like you say, I know people say that a lot, like when they play their HD remakes, but it literally looks like how I remember it. And when you, when you open up the, um, the game, it plays kind of like this two minute open cinematic, uh, cutscene or trailer, I guess. It's basically just a bunch of clips from the original five movies, um, which do not look good anymore. Like on the, on these computers. Cause it's, it's just basically, like you said, it's all pixelated and stretched out. It looks like you're watching it on a Game Boy Advance basically. Um, so not great. Um, but yeah, the, the graphical fidelity of the game, it could definitely do with a bit of an overhaul. I wish that they had done that. They've been doing it a lot with the Lucas arts games, uh, the N64 games specifically. And I think KOTOR Knights of the Old Republic did the same thing, but I picked up uh, pod racing on, um, on switch a few years ago and it looks amazing. They sharpened up a lot of the, uh, the edges. So it looks cleaner. Mm-hmm. They brightened up all of the, the yellows and the silvers and the blues. So it look it pops so much better. I wish that they had done something like that with this game. It would have helped it quite a bit, but it's it's pretty easy to overlook, honestly. Like uh, after a while, you get so invested in what you're doing, and you're just starting to micromanage so much that it's it's impossible to uh, to be too concerned about the graphics. You can figure out what a what a blaster looks like and uh, and what your troops look like. It's easy enough to distinguish it. But I was gonna say with the um, selling the game to someone who's maybe not necessarily into RTS games or maybe somebody who's never played one before or even people who are RTS aficionados. What I love most about this game is the level of uh, customization and and uh, I guess ability to set yourself up on a map however you want. You can make it as hard as you want. You can make it as easy as you want. You can make the map big. You can make the map small. You can even change what's on the map when you start. You There's like a whole bunch of different drop-down menus that you can pick from in addition to the... the yep. uh, the factions that you play as you can pick a map that is all water you can pick a map that's all trees you can pick a map that has lots of nova or ore or food um you can pick a map that's all islands like you're playing on wind waker or something like it's so cool how many different of these game 
maps that you can play on and you can play against one other team if you've never played before just to get you can play against one other team and make the map huge so you basically never see the other team and you can learn how to play the game and then you can make a really small map and play against five other teams and it'll be just chaos it's so cool how crazy and how easy and how hard you can make the game uh, this is something you'd probably do way later once you get really good at it. Um, when I was a kid, I loved playing as the Trade Federation. You talked about them a mm-hmm. little bit earlier, the uh, the droids from episode one. I, I think that they're actually a really good uh, faction to play as um, to, uh, as a beginner because you don't have to build uh, shelter units. Um, yes. With the with the uh, the teams, every every shelter is basically increases your population by five units. So you can build five more troops or five more farmers or workers or whatever it is. Uh, with the Trade Federation, you automatically have the max population of 200 or 250 or whatever population you chose the max to be. Uh, the Trade Federation were the only team because they're robots. They did not need houses. And I thought that was such a clever little detail to make a really good uh, a really good uh, team to pick as an opening. They've done that before in Age of Empires as well. I believe the Huns don't need uh, houses or anything like that because they're nomadic. So... Smart. They they wouldn't need any homes type of thing, which is kind of a fun idea. Um, what you said earlier about customization, you can play however you want. I I love that about this game. You can there's there's a lots of there's lots of different ways that you can customize each of the individual maps. Also, even just like how you want to approach the the game. Like so, when I was when I was a kid, I was really into World War II history, and so. I mean, I don't know. As an adult, I think it's kind of weird that I was trying to replicate almost like World War II style fight in right. Age of Empires, just because of the whole you know war is actually is shouldn't be something that trivial. Um, but it uh, in in my mind, like it was what I would do is I would get a map, and this t- does time with customizability. I would I would specifically tell the map I want like one river or something like that. You could even, I don't think yeah. you could customize the amount of rivers that you had in it, but you could like kind of manipulate it sort of. So if it was just you and one other uh, AI, then if you had rivers on the, if you did like a rivers map, it would put one river between you and the AI. So what I would do then is I would build like a, a shipyard and then I would build a bunch of ships, uh, transport vessels, and I would put a bunch of sold like repeater soldiers, like uh, like this, like uh, like rebels or anything like that, and I would have them board it and then do like the D Day landing. <laughs> <laughs> and then what I would do, I would get a bunch of air transports and drop a bunch of the flamethrower dudes from behind. So I would pincer. I would have like you know the flamethrowers coming from one side and the repeaters coming from the other. Nice. Um, and it was oh really God. fun. I'm like, look at the strategy I'm doing. Versus if you played against a real person, they'd be like what's wrong with you? Why are you like, (laughs) let me just use artillery and blow up these ships before they get to me. That's so cool. But it's, it's totally like what, what you would do as a kid, like playing with army men, or if you had collected Warhammer, like I collected army men, like just from the dollar store, we'd buy bags of those things. And we would totally recreate the D-Day landing in our basement. And I I understand what you're saying, how it's like, it's kind of weird how uh, people love recreating war. It's, it's a weird thing humans have. Um, it's a, it's glorifying something that like, yeah. it's like, I respect the sacrifice of people who, who have had to fight in it or type right. of thing. But it's what also at the same time, just kind of like, 
I don't know why I'm glorifying something where like millions of people died. I know. I don't know what it is about that. We we actually had you on on our on the GameCube was cool podcast to talk about Medal of Honor, which was awesome. We talked a whole bunch about uh, like obviously Saving Private Ryan and uh, Band of Brothers and all those awesome movies and shows that I, I think I'm the only one in my family that goes and watches those films. Like as soon as All Quiet on the Western Front came out on Netflix, I was night one watching that while my fiance like left the condo because she can't watch that stuff. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is about certain people having obsession with these things. But Star Wars, luckily, this game, it's it's not nearly as graphic. Like, there's no blood or anything. The game is very much, I, I think it's rated T just because it, it is basically war. Even though there's no there, there's no blood or anything, the characters on screen all just slowly or quickly disintegrate into the ground after they die. So it's a really clean game to play, especially if you have kids. So if, if, you, want, if you don't want them playing some of these uh, World War One, World War Two, RTS, or Call of Duty games. This is a good game to get out that that feeling of destruction and uh, massive human loss uh, while just playing a, <laughs> a game based on Star Wars. Hey, a lot of a lot of stormtroopers did die on uh, on Death Star back in 1977. So uh, I guess that that's something not a lot of people think about. Um, that's like that's a very Kevin Smith thought. You ever see that? You know, like in Clerks or whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, I actually have, this is probably a movie sin, have not seen Clerks. Okay, so here's the thing. I'm not <laughs> I'm not upset. I'm just disappointed. No, I'll, I'll um, check it out. I'll catch up. Don't worry. I, there's so many movies I haven't seen. Don't be well, mad. Well, <laughs> if you guys ever do anything Kevin Smith related on this mm-hmm. show, because you do cover movies. Yep. Uh, I You got to let me know. I, gigantic Kevin Smith fan, seen almost all of his stuff. Uh been a huge fan of his for a while and it, it's funny that one thing i just you know we were talking about how like we we're, we're giving qualifiers you know like well you know we would recreate these things but you know war is serious i i don't know if i we should have qualified it. there's people who just watch stuff on serial killers like all the time that's true <laughs> the, the true crime stuff and all that yeah i guess that's true my sister was obsessed with like criminal minds and all those shows and oh, like, i love that show too it's a I like great the, show oh the first couple seasons are amazing i remember there was one with like jason alexander on there and it was so hard to watch george costanza be a psychopath um <laughs> that, it's a really good show yeah there's something about those messed up shows man like even even like black mirror and whatnot like they're really fun the thing to watch the things that explore like the darker sides of our humanity exactly. is something that's always interesting the the shows in kind of, I, I don't know why i'm not a psychologist but I almost feel like they give us like a way to explore that side, like the darker sides of ourselves without actually like doing it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're not a, I don't think you're a crazy person for thinking how somebody might die, but actually, actually acting on those thoughts is, is horrifying. Um, yeah, it's impossible not to think about weird stuff like that. I would, I would think. But. This episode has gone to a weird place. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine the other hour of this show is just us talking about like weird psychological, like our psyche. This is re- this really is becoming a therapy session, honestly. I'm I not know, crazy. Right? I must say, I, I, I like to think I'm one of the normal ones in the world. Um, that's what well, that's what they all say. Neil. I guess. I guess so. We should we should bring this back to Star Wars. Um, <laughs> you did mention the, uh, the the game is split into. You can play multiple ways of playing this game. Actually, when you open up the main menu, it's basically. I'm going to say it again. It's a carbon copy of the Age of Empires 2 menu where you've got your multiplayer, you've got your campaign, you've got your standard game is what they call it, which is the mode that I think, if I'm understanding correctly, is the one that you play where you start off just with your 10 or 12 workers and then your um, your main center that uh, makes more workers. Mm-hmm. And then you can start giving your workers jobs to 
build your army bases or your uh, your various farming units and whatnot. There is that campaign in the game that uh, you get it right off the bat. You can play a campaign based around the Empire or the Naboo or the Gungans or the Wookiees. Every faction in the game has its own little campaign. And if you have the expansion, which you might as well get on Steam because I think it comes packed in, it includes the uh, the Confederation and, uh, and the Republic as well. Uh, I didn't play these campaigns as much either as a kid, honestly. I played a couple of them, but I just thought that after playing the... Um, the main game and and making these massive armies of 200 characters and going into battle which was awesome playing like a campaign basically a little bite-sized mission uh in some cases based on a scene from one of the movies or not it was it was fun and it was technical and probably something that a lot of rts nerds would really get into like trying to uh, trying to um trying to uh escort darth vader across this map with only five stormtroopers or something. Why does and he need escorting in the first place? He's Darth I don't Vader. Know. I know. I feel, yeah, that's another thing, too. Is we'll talk about that in a second. But the, the, some of those missions just, it's like, okay, like, I just want to build, like, a massive, I just want to build a massive civilization and fight against other ones. So for some people, the campaign is probably a ton of fun. Wasn't something that I played a whole bunch of. Uh, what I did play was mostly the the standard game where you get your army and you get your leader of that army. In some cases, it's Darth Vader or Boss Nass or Princess Leia or um, I'm blanking, uh, Chewbacca. And for the most part, unfortunately, those characters are underpowered. And for the most part, you actually have to protect them from being killed in the uh, it's uh, kill the commander or protect the commander mode, uh, which is basically mm-hmm. capture the flag where it's your job to go into the other civilization, locate their leader uh, and kill them. And it's it's somewhat disappointing because you never get to play this game feeling overpowered as Darth Vader, which would have been so cool as an addition to play. I almost sometimes, I mean, there's RTSs like that though that have come on since, come around since a lot of the RTSs, uh, uh, what is it? Well, uh, actually, yeah, technically it came out like a year or two after this. Um, Warcraft 3 did that where you have your everyday soldiers and then you have hero units and that was something that you saw you would see in a lot of um I'm trying to remember the name of the company that the the, the company that does the Warhammer RTS games do that a lot. I think Warhammer 2 specifically you get uh you get a hero unit that you can use and I don't know I it's it's built more around like being able to micromanage a little bit more. I personally prefer being able to make large armies. That's what I always enjoyed. But Warhammer 2, I know, is like, or yeah, I think it's Warhammer 2, is like a really popular game. And it's all about, it's smaller armies, but you can, uh, smaller armies, but you have like hero units and stuff like that, which made it a little interesting. Hmm. That's really cool. It would have been awesome to have, a mode in this game where you can build it would have been weird and maybe there's like something against the uh the star wars license where you can't have 50 darth vaders on screen at once uh <laughs> kind of like in disney where like two mickeys can't be in the same room at once there is a way to play this game though i don't know if you did this when you played it but there are cheat codes in the game that you can uh use to basically break the game um you can use uh like uh, for infinite food infinite all of the resources carbon food uh or nova you can also have uh, inf- like force build is one so that mm-hmm. instead of your workers taking time to build certain buildings that j- everything just gets built instantly. They can also farm everything instantly. So they basically cut down a tree and farm it for its carbon all in one go, um, which it just breaks the game open completely. But there's also <laughs> a code in there. I don't know if you ever found this one or if you played like this uh, where it's uh, Simon says is the code and it gives you an Ewok 
and oh. I made an army of Ewoks. Oh, when I, was a I kid. think I've done that. Yeah, it's awesome. So you basically just type in the, 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 the I don't remember. I, I, the muscle memory is gone for me now, but there's a way to type in a code. You can do it's all force carbon, first force or force nova, etc. Force build. But then Simon says is one of them, and then this Ewok shows up on screen, and they're basically this crazy fast, overpowered, shielded character that'll just destroy everything and i made a hundred of them and then just send them into battle and they would just kill everything like a disease do you remember that uh i don't remember i I do remember you're talking about the ewoks again sorry right yeah 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 not Uh, something you can build in the game it's it's literally a cheat code there's no way to make them otherwise i didn't use the ewoks there is one that if you type in that's no moon you get the death star yes i knew about that one too i think that's in the expansion though the um okay so I didn't have that as a kid because I didn't get the expansion, honestly, until about a year ago when I bought uh, this game on Steam. And I was like, oh, sweet. I have the Clone Wars saga, too. Uh, I've seen it, though, because you can clear out all these trees and get get to different areas faster. And the, the charge up shot for that thing, yeah. it's, it's got a massive cooldown. Um, yep. And real quick, the game I was thinking of was Warhammer 40K Dawn of War. And it's a series that has three games in it. The second one. Uh, came out in 2009 it has the heroes that i was talking about it was developed by relic entertainment which also does i think my favorite i haven't played the newest one but one of my favorite rts series uh company of heroes which uh is to bring it back to what we were talking about before (laughs) is a world war ii rts game um but i i i will i will save gushing about that that game is fantastic Cool. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I I know that the Warhammer games are um are really beloved in the RTS community. I've never played any of them. My my RTS knowledge is strictly Galactic Battlegrounds, Age of Empire, and of course Pikmin. Um, yes. my favorite, probably my well, maybe my second. Well, uh, I'm not gonna get into that right now. It's between my first and second <laughs> favorite between this and and uh, and Pikmin. So that's awesome though. Warhammer is, is a really cool really cool series. I I think a lot of RTS games borrow from that series for sure. Um, there's also a, like, I think, uh, the Simon says, uh, cheat in, uh, Age of Empires 2, they do have literally the same cheat, but you type in Aston Martin and randomly you're given an Aston Martin car in the game (laughs) and it shoots. It's basically the James Bond car. You'd actually love this because you're a huge Bond fan. Yeah. 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 Check out, uh, Age of Empires 2 after this, uh, Aston Martin cheat. I, I, I'm pretty damn sure I'm not dreaming that this is real. Uh, but I remember using that as a code. And again, just making an army of Aston Martins roll into a battle against a bunch of guys with bow and arrows. It's awesome. Really fun stuff. I kind of want to do that now. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, it's a it's a fantastic game, Galactic uh, Battlegrounds. You don't have to play with the cheat codes. But again, if you're a beginner, just checking this game out for the first time might be something to look into until you get get your uh, get your sea legs and you're good at using your uh, your workers for what they're uh, what they're best at. But I can't believe how much time we've actually been able to spend uh, talking about this game. We're already an hour in, uh, or at least just about an hour in, which is crazy. But uh, is there anything else that we've missed or something that you wanted to talk about before we uh, we start to move into our closing thoughts about the game? I don't think there's anything else that I want to add to it. I feel like we've we've touched on the gameplay. We've touched on the customizability. We've touched on our experiences with it. We've gone on digressions, uh, <laughs> uh, the morality of playing war, uh, as well as um, uh, my pr- probably uh, 
cancelable uh, Star Wars opinion on <laughs> Star Wars. I respect opinions. it. Well, I, since you're a huge Star Wars fan, would you be personally offended by my uh, Episode Five comments? No, not at all. I mean, I I, I, I can understand. I can understand everybody's um, opinion on like I, I've I've seen all of the Star Wars rankings of people who've ranked their favorite movies and everything and TV shows. I I'm just I'm just happy that there are Star Wars fans out there. Like it, that's really where I come down on it. Like. If if episode two is your favorite Star Wars film of all time, I'm sorry, I, I'll never agree with you. But if that's your favorite <laughs> movie, you do you. You enjoy that that two hour lead up to the fight on Genosis. And if you like uh, episode eight, which is not one that I love, but I, I know we've had people on this show who love it. Um, Mike likes episode eight. I did not like it from the day that I watched it. And but there are so many different things. There are so many. There's hundreds of Star Wars games. There's what eleven Star Wars movies. There's infinite Star Wars TV shows now. There's a billion Star Wars books. Like it's so it's so it's so annoying that people find all this time to fight about Star Wars when there's so much <laughs> things to to like about it. Honestly, I'm never gonna hate somebody for liking Star Wars. That just feels stupid to me. <laughs> Would you want to see a new Star Wars RTS in the future? I was gonna say that actually, yes, I would 100% like a new Star Wars game in the a new Star Wars RTS game in the future, uh, a Star Wars Galactic Battleground. There never was a two, was there? Um, other than just the other than the the expansion, no, there was. Yeah. I actually was able to find the developer, like the 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 designer, when the lead designer, excuse me of this game online. He's on Twitter and everything. He doesn't. He's still active, but he's not like. It doesn't like he. It's not like he has a ton of followers. Um, I'm sorry, mm. X. Oh, Whatever. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, sorry. No, we're gonna. I'm gonna screw that guy. It's Twitter still. It, yes, uh, it is. Uh, Gary Gaber was the or Gaber. I'm I'm saying Gaber was the lead designer on the game. Um, so I I've followed him now. I'm, I'm kind of want to reach out to him to see if I can get him on the show. Ooh, that'd be amazing. That'd be dude. That'd be so cool. Get him if you can get him on your show. Please, please, please get him to make uh, a Galactic Battlegrounds 2 because <laughs> we are very overdue. This series only goes up to episode 2. We have since had episode 3, 7, 8, and 9. There are new characters that would be awesome to see. I would honestly personally love to see uh, the um, – not the Galactic Empire. Well, I guess it is the Galactic Empire, but them from uh, episode – or from Rogue One. I would love to see those those black-suited characters from the opening scene. I'd love to see – some of those that they add at from uh, when they're fighting on the beach, basically that D-Day scene. That would be mm-hmm. awesome if we could see that. We've seen a whole bunch of new planets. Honestly, I would just I would just love the original game with some new factions and updated graphics. I think that that's really all this game needs. But if we were to see a sequel for Galactic Battlegrounds, what, what would be on the top of your list? I'd actually like a complete overhaul. Like, I love this game, but I, I think you would need – I really like it to try to make it to like make an, its own mark. I feel like if you rehashed the Age of Empires 2 engine again, I, I feel like it's just a little bit underwhelming. I would really like them to, to see if they could try something a little bit different. I'm not saying completely reinvent the wheel. Like you don't have to um, completely get rid of, you know, gather resources, build army and go and attack thing. But at the very least, like find something that's a little bit more unique than just here here's four resources just like age of empires though i will say one uh disadvantage is that you have like in age of empires if you get a mining camp you can mine both uh gold and ore or iron it's not ore yeah iron and gold it's it's gold and silver uh, yeah it's not silver steel (laughs) um 
Yeah, oh my gosh, how how am I blanking on what it is? Yeah, it's but it's gold and it's stone? like no. something like that. Yeah, I think it's stone. I think you're right. I think yeah, it's I think stone. So. I haven't played um, it so long. I played it like last month, and I can't remember the <laughs> stupid resource. But uh, you could build one mining camp, and if the if the stone and gold like resource spots are close to each other, you could build it in between, and you only need one mining camp for both you don't need to build one separate versus for this nova crystals and or you need two separate uh there's two separate mining camps for facilities you you build yeah yeah, facilities you can't use the same one for both right um but yeah so i i would love to see it happen again i think star wars is prime for an rts just in general i think it's a really good property that fits with the genre i just really want them to kind of branch out and how they would do that i don't know there's been other rts's that have done different things i feel like if you could find some way of incorporating like the Star Wars universe as a way in, in, in a way that I mean, like kind of like how, like uh, the, like the original RTS was Dune two um, and you collect spice as your primary resource. That is something that fits in with a primary plot element of the Dune series, which I have never read or seen, but I understand the, you know, it, it, it's a major, I understand it's a major thing for it. Um, and it's the same with like, with this, where I feel like Star Wars, you could do something that would that I'm not. I can't even think off the top of my head of what that would be, but like, uh, you could do something that would fit into the narrative of it a little bit better, maybe if possible. As long as it's not midichlorians, don't don't oh, harvest midichlorians. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome to build Jedi. You have to harvest midichlorians. That'd be You're amazing. just like sacrificing people to get their <laughs> midichlorians. That'd be amazing. I th- I think that like what you're honestly trying to say is just for like a Star Wars game, don't overthink it. Really, like it's don't make it overcomplicated. Like don't don't read into it too much. Like just make a a solid game. Make it balanced between air, land, and sea. I, I said all the things right, right? Air, land, sea. Yeah, yeah. Air, all land, that sea. correctly. Like you want you want to make all the. There'd probably be a lot of different factions because of all the new species and and new armies that we've seen over the years. So making them. You'd have to make new designs for all of these buildings, but like it's such a rich world at this point between the comics and the books and the TV shows and now the video games as well. Like you can definitely make something awesome. The campaign, as much as we we love the uh, we love the effort uh, for the campaign in, in Galactic Battlegrounds, it's not the standout. Definitely include one. It would be fun to. Uh, it's always fun to uh, escort Darth Vader around, um, but obviously the the star of the show is the. Um, is the regular standard game and you could make an amazing online community as well like i think that there would be a massive fan base for an rts star wars game if you could play online against friends uh, i think it'd be a pretty fun game to it would be a fun game to just watch like let's watch the gungans destroy the ewoks and and in 4k and uh and maybe you can even add some new sound effects oh, too. like the ewok sound faction. mixing could be really good oh yeah an e- oh an ewok faction exactly like an ewok faction would be good no more that simon says cheat that i used uh, way too much back in the day to break the game so yeah there, there's obviously a ton that you can do with a sequel to this game I think that we'll get it now that uh, EA is finally given up. I think yeah, I think EA is done now with the Star Wars license. It seems like Lucasfilm. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like Disney now are starting to let other developers work on Star Wars. I think Ubisoft is making one, and the uh, the Heavy Rain guys are making one as well. So we're living in a world now when I think I think in the next five to ten years we're going to start seeing this era of Star Wars again, like the late '90s, early 2000s of 
honestly really freaking good Star Wars games on a bunch of different consoles, including PC. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see. But Josh, thank you so much for your time today. While we're waiting for the massive Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds 2 to grace us on PC, uh, why don't you let listeners know what you have been working on on your show, The Still Loading Podcast, and any specific projects that are coming up? Uh, well, first off, thank you again for having me on, man. I always enjoy coming on the show. Uh, hopefully, I didn't uh, keep you too long with this. I, I know we're so we're going to keep this one a little bit tighter. And then, of yeah, course, half an hour, wanna... forty five minutes. Here we are, an hour and change <laughs> <Anyway>. in. <laughs> uh, but no, thank you once again for having me, man. I always enjoy coming on the show. Um, of course. For Still Loading, um, you can find me on social media at Still Loading Pod, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Hive, Blue Sky, Twitch, all that place, and all at Still Loading Pod on YouTube. Um, as for what I'm doing, uh, I don't know when this episode's coming out, but the most recent episode at the time of recording was I just released an episode on Medal of Honor. We were talking about it just a oh, bit sweet. earlier in the episode. Um, did a really awesome deep dive with my buddy Cade from the gaming memories podcast about that game uh talked a little bit about that same thing of like uh trying to balance like uh reverence for people who have served while also uh frustration with you know reasons we go to war and not being too oorah america because I, I can't stand that stuff you know like mm-hmm. I, I i'm not a uh, being able to show appreciation for veterans without being pro-military it, it we taught we delve into that a little bit and of course spend a whole lot of time talking about the everything about the game and history and all that good stuff um yeah and so that that was the most recent episode at the time of this recording though by the time this easily comes out the next episode i have being released is on to the moon which i don't know if you ever heard of that game it's an indie title um that was no. a lot of fun to talk about uh but yeah i have an episode on uh final fantasy coming out sometime in august that is going to be a big one and keep an eye out for it if you like final fantasy and fantasy sports and that's all i'm going to say sweet you're a very busy man you're an amazing podcaster mike and i have been fans of your work for years now it's hard to believe i think we we started talking to you not long after we started the gamekeep is cool podcast in 2020 and I remember Mike and I listening to you because you, I think you said you wanted to come, I think you wanted to come onto our show first because we had an episode about Metal Arms coming up and we listened to your stuff and I was like, oh my God, he's like a real podcaster. Like he, you know, I, you got a great podcasting voice. You've been doing this for like, you're, are you coming up on 10 years now? <laughs> uh, 10 years next year. Jeez, um, ten years. I started my show when I was 24, and now I'm an old man at 34. Oh, no. Losing oh, all your teeth, bad back, into a senior's home next month, all that good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Get off my pod. Uh, <laughs> Everybody just, needs a podcast. <laughs> I said pod, get off my pod. No, yeah, I've been doing it for almost 10 years. It'll be actually awesome. March next year, unless something happens. Uh I'll, will be my 300th episode. So I've been, Jeez. I've been doing I, it's, but it's weird. Cause I, I say that, you know, it sounds, Oh, 10 years, but like, I feel like I really don't haven't learned what the heck I'm doing until the last like three. Like, I really <laughs> feel like the last three years I'm like, Oh, this is how you podcast. And I'm actually genuinely jealous, like in a, in a really like happy way, if that makes sense of both you and you and Mike, because you guys just picked it up so quickly. I'm like, damn man like i how like these guys got it so quickly and it took me like six years to figure out how the heck to do this 
Yeah, we, we just lucked out. I don't know. We I don't I, I, I really appreciate that. I feel like uh, on a weekly basis, like some days I'm like, God, why do I do this? But uh, no, it's it's really fun to do. It's it's a great hobby. And Mike and I were we're going to we're planning on doing it as long as humanly possible. Like obviously during the pandemic, it felt so easy to get this started. But now like we're both working full time jobs, like we're, we're involved in sports. Mike is traveling on a regular basis. We have no time, like you said, to necessarily like play the games and watch the shows like it's 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 a stressor but my it, it is definitely a great fun payoff and we hope that we can get to a decade of podcasting like you have and it'll be great to see you'll be at like 40 years at that point i don't know how math works but uh and i'll just be like it'll just be dust coming out of my mouth at this point at that point maybe oh no you'll be just fine i'm sure and we'll have you on the show to talk about more star wars and military games and uh and uh Kevin Smith movies as well. So uh, we'll definitely keep you in mind. Or if you ever watch Three Ninjas or Muppet Treasure Island, that's been on my mind lately. (laughs) Muppets for sure. We'll definitely have to do a Muppet episode at some point. So we'll definitely keep you in mind for that. But Josh, until then, once again, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show today. Really, really appreciate your time. And uh, we'll have you back on again real soon. Thank you very much for having me. Always a pleasure. Take care, buddy. What a nice young man. And Mike is not here yet again to say, what a nice young man. Always a pleasure to have Josh from the Still Loading Podcast on here. Love talking to him. Uh, He's an amazing wealth of knowledge in terms of old games, new games, PC games, console games, movies, TV shows, and of course, Star Wars. And I was really excited to have him on to uh, cover for Mike today. So really appreciate him coming on, giving up an hour of his evening to talk to me about Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds, a game that I have been very passionate about for the better part of 20 years now, which is crazy to think how long it's been. It was fun to think about the possibility of a sequel to this franchise. I would absolutely love that. Now that EA no longer has a stranglehold on the Star Wars universe, I feel like we're a little bit closer to that being a possibility. So with that, I think that it's time that we move on to our closing comments uh, in the podcast. But before I do that, I think it's time that I read the back of the case for Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds. But first, Victor... Hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. The destiny of a galaxy hangs in the balance and you are in command. Lead the great armies of the Star Wars saga in intense real-time strategy clashes. Enter the fray as the Galactic Empire, Rebel Alliance, Wookiees, Trade Federation, Gungans, or Royal Naboo to determine the course of the Galactic Civil War. Fantastic back of the case there. And like I said with Josh, love the jewel case here for this game. It's really cool. Got the helmet of Darth Vader, a bunch of stormtroopers there. There's some explosions. Got that beautiful LucasArts logo and Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds. Absolutely love it. And like I said at the top of the episode there, five bucks, ten dollars on Steam. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. I highly recommend this game to anybody even slightly interested in Star Wars and RTS games. It's a very accessible game to play, simple to pick up, and so much replayability. I've played this game for hundreds of hours in my life at this point. Heck, I played it for just an hour today, just in preparation for this show by accident. I played it for one hour, so uh, I hope that people out there check it out based on this recommendation. We already talked about uh, what we'd like to see for the future of the franchise, so I won't dive too deep into that. So next week, if you want to come check out the podcast again, Mike should be back from Japan, and we're going to talk a lot about his trip, uh, his journey, some of the things that he did, 
and we want to talk a bunch about some Japanese video games, maybe some franchises. We might even talk about some uh, Japanese GameCube games, a topic that we meant to get into on the GameCube is Cool podcast, but never did. So this feels like the perfect opportunity to do that. So please come on back next week. We'd love to have you back and join us for episode 26. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 25 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast. New show every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better. You can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. All patrons get to participate in our monthly Patreon elected episode election. Thank you so much to everybody on Patreon. You can follow us on Instagram Facebook, and join the weekly conversation on our Discord channel. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Boss Nass, Josh says hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. The Unlocking What Was Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. Our podcast is fan-funded by our listeners on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. The show is produced, hosted, and edited by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Additional voices provided by Victor Young. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level. AJ Olson 11, Bogus Lotus, Cube Dude, Dean Donian, Joey Sirico, Marty Thompson, Sparks Fly 027, and Way Overrated.